Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've been waiting for, a podcast for podcasters. This is Creating the Greatest Show, and I'm your host, Casey Cheshire. Join me as we interview podcast hosts and investigate the ingredients of a successful interview podcast. We'll talk mistakes, earned skills, powerful questions, and more. This show is sponsored by Ringmaster, completely done for you, B2B podcast production. Here we go. It's happening. I am so excited for this. We have a special guest today. And today we're going to be talking about trends in the podcasting world, in the marketing world, in the world. And I can't wait to introduce my guest today. She is the exact right person to be talking about this topic. How do I know this? Because she already started doing this in our office here at the Ringmaster Global Headquarters. This amazing guest started talking. And I had to, I was like, no, stop, stop, hold on to that thought. Everyone needs to hear it. And so here we are recording a very special episode for all of you as we, we change over to the new year. Let's get going. So who is this person, Casey? Well, <laughs> she is a leader, a thought leader in the, in the space of content and SEO. And naturally, she's also a writer and writes constantly about travel and podcasting and other topics. She's also got tons of marketing and sales experience, which makes her basically able to do anything. Um, and what's crazy is that marketing and sales experiences that gets infused in her ability to do SEO and content and all these things. So let's just say powerhouse. And I, I can't wait to introduce you to her. She is a connection consultant and the head of content at Ringmaster, Nazarene Stump. Welcome. Thank you. <laughs> so how do we do? Did I capture everything? Is there any, did I leave anything out? I, I don't know. I, I heard powerhouse and I was impressed and I've been holding on to that all those thoughts you told me to hold since yesterday. Oh, right. You're ready to just let them out. I'm so we're talking trends today. So could you start by telling me, let's just create a list for everyone so that they know what kind of trends we should be talking about today. And then from there, let's just go through the different ones. And then I've got a couple on my end. I'll throw them at the end of the list so that at the very beginning here, we'll just let people know these are the trends we're going to be talking about. If you want to hear more, keep listening. So what are they? Sounds great. So the big ones for 2023 that we see coming are all kind of centering around the ideas of video podcasting, content, and statistics and analytics. And those are the big three areas. Statistics and analytics. Oof, love it. That's where we start showing ROI. We start showing mm -hmm. stats other than people liked it on Facebook or they, they liked my video on YouTube. There's actually some stats we can start tracking. So I can't wait to dive into that. Absolutely. I too want to throw in uh, for some more fun topics, uh, maybe more forward-looking things around Twitter spaces. Is it here to stay or is it gone soon? Um, and what do you make of these, these smaller segment markets, these smaller segment uh, video platforms. Uh, I want to talk about Twitch and I also want to talk about YouTube streamers. Okay. And that is the list for today. So let's go video content in the world of podcasts. Sometimes people like me who have a face made for radio, we just think, oh, well, we'll just record our voices, but something is changing here. We have the ability to record video. What's happening? So video is coming onto more and more platforms. And at this point in time, when people are choosing these different platforms to be on, they're looking to see if video is there already or when it's coming. A lot of folks 
for example, Ringmaster clients are already recording with video and repurposing and putting those videos on YouTube and making micro clips. And we see a lot of other interview podcasts doing that. But as video gets introduced onto more social platforms, and we've seen this happen in the past with all of these different new features that social platforms have introduced, when something new comes, the platform wants you to use it. And so they are going to prioritize They are going to give extra favorable points in the algorithm to early adopters who jump on those new tools that they put out because no one wants to put something out and have no users use it. So they incentivize using it for those early adopters. So you Mm. want to be an early adopter if you want to get those bonus points. Tough call, right? Because mm-hmm. you could be an early adopter into Twitter spaces mm-hmm. and maybe it's here to stay or a clubhouse. Yep. Maybe you spend all your shekels on getting big in clubhouse and then it fizzles out soon thereafter. So it's a bit of a risk, but it sounds like you're getting rewarded, though you may not be able to realize it. Definitely. And even if it doesn't end up taking off, even if one platform introduces video and it doesn't go anywhere, there's a certain comfort level to appearing on video and introducing it and stepping outside of that box and getting some good micro clips out of what you do do and being able to repurpose that. It's almost a point where if you're a podcaster and you don't record video, it's probably not worth recording anything because the future is going to have video. Yay or nay? So mostly yay. (laughs) There's probably a couple of genres where people are listening for the stories. And if there isn't an additional video to go along with it, it may not matter. Or they can use a tool later on to make an accompanying video and put it up that way. So a face recording video may not be as important, but definitely for most most areas, it's going to be important. Let's get meta. So we're we're doing video and audio right now, Mm -hmm. obviously audio, but we're doing video too. Yeah. Why so not? Why, why not, right? It's, it's on Zoom or whatever platform you're using. Mm-hmm. And if it's already capturing it, why not just capture it? I, it feels like though when you don't do that, you're just letting a, a resource go that you could use for something else. Even if you don't have plans Absolutely. right now. Yeah. You know? Well, and coming from a sales perspective and just a connection perspective, I love using video because I can see how people are reacting. I can see if things are landing. I can, you're nodding. I know you're understanding. I, so I enjoy video because it's more like a conversation with someone versus a phone call that might not go the same way and you can't read those signals. So I'm a huge fan of it. What are we going to do with it? Cause I I feel like Mm -hmm. the the people listening to this podcast are probably on board with Mm -hmm. video but what's the justification? What are we going to do with it? What do we currently do with it? Where do you see it going in the future? So video, and now I'll dive a tiny bit into content with the video. With SEO, if if you are doing a podcast to try to get across content for your company, meet people for your company, get across ideas, talk to customers, the SEO tie-in of video is fantastic especially if you're putting that video on something like YouTube that's going to play with Google because they're the same. And then you're going to bump that search up. If you have a post that is hanging out on page two or three, now with the infinite scroll, people might be going a little further, then you can go ahead and 
attack that keyword in a video, even in a podcast with one question, clip it, put it up and then have your results come up higher because now you have a video on the topic as well. Right. Right. And and video clips play so much better into social too. Mm -hmm. making LinkedIn promo clips. Great. Sometimes I've seen thousands. I think the other day we saw one that had 41,000 impressions, I think, or something like Mm -hmm. that. Uh, and that wasn't the the episode itself. That was the video clip on LinkedIn. So exactly, it, it's like that. That's significant, right? That's not twelve likes. That's a significant amount of people have seen that. And it's not necessarily included in the stats for the downloads. So maybe this gets in even to our statistics conversation. Mm. Are, where are we going with that? Are we going to start seeing actual tracking? With video in the long run, I should hope so. With the micro clips and things that go on social, it's going to be dependent on however it's tracked through the platforms. It's not necessarily going to tie back into the podcast itself, but it's meeting users where they are. You have a lot of users who may be glancing at their phones while they're at work or they're sitting in a busy area and they don't want to put headphones in. And when we do those micro clips from podcasts with the words across the bottom of the screen, they don't have to do anything. They can get the gist of it without actually turning up their volume or playing it. And people like that. They like to be able to look at their phone and watch something and not have it be a big thing. Yeah. Sometimes if I'm at home and it's late, mm-hmm. I can't really turn up the volume. I don't have my AirPods nearby. You know, don't want to disturb other people who might be trying to get to sleep. Be great to be able to you know watch that video and just see some of the words that are happening and decide if I want to save it for later. Exactly. I mean, I watched the most news of my entire life when I had my first kiddo because there was a 24-hour news station that had closed captioning. So I used to watch that when I didn't want to wake him up. <laughs> oh, interesting. So. Interesting. Closed captioning. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you were very well informed that particular year. <laughs> I was so well informed. I knew everything that was going on in San Antonio. <laughs> right, right. Oh, good. Oh, good. <laughs> so talk to me about stats. It's always going to be a bit of a closed wall LinkedIn. I wish you could just pay them five bucks and they let you have some sort of API access to stats and see some magic. Mm-hmm. Where where do you see it going? Where do you see the stats ultimately going in general, not just video, but podcasting overall? Yeah. So as someone who has come from a content side of things, from a measurable side of things, from a social side of things where we did campaigns for corporations and had to report back to them on exactly what we did, who's worked in ads on sites and this is your spend and this is you know how many clicks you got, here's your cost, here's how it broke down. Podcasting stats are kind of the wild west of measurement right now, and it's not going to stay like that. And so we're moving towards a crackdown. We're seeing people who are writing news articles. It's coming up in mainstream news where people are saying things like, oh, this network or this show had inflated statistics because they were putting an ad into a mobile game and every single click that the user did to get extra coins for their character counted as a download. Well, that's not a real listen. And we all know that. And with advertisers now just throwing, still throwing more money at radio. So 
with podcast advertising, it's like 13-ish per person. And with radio, it's over 50. And that's going to shift at some point in time. But right now, they can measure radio. And they can measure it very well. And really? you can't because it seems like it's just out there in the ether. It's not like you have an actual download stat to a certain degree, but they know how many listeners. I mean, think of Nielsen and TV. They have a similar system for radio where they can kind of be like, OK, we had this many listeners in this region. You may not know exactly how many it's hitting. So think of it in impressions instead of like yeah. actual you know, unique users. But and you can pod- measure the impact exactly. on the buying side, right? Yeah, exactly. And with podcasting, it's not like that yet. So you end up with people who are spending money on podcast advertising, and we're seeing reports saying that podcast listeners are more likely to buy and that in these certain categories, they're buying more and more. But with that push for people to spend more money on podcast advertising and with the listenership rising, they're going to want to see more measurement. And there is going to be a movement. So Google Podcasts, you know, they're putting up more pages. We know that analytics for Google are rolling over. They're sunsetting the old ones. They've changed scroll. They've changed how near me search features work. When you search some things now, podcasts pop up just like YouTube used to pop up on the first page. And as that becomes more standardized, I feel like they're going to lead the way in instituting some kind of measurement. It is just wild to me that there isn't a standardized way to give information and you have to rely on each user to give their own. Hmm. A lot of things I got from that one is I should (laughs) probably advertise on some apps for this podcast. (laughs) (gasps) Before it goes away, right? (laughs) Right. Before, before someone figures out the loop, it's 12 seconds. You got to get someone to listen to that ad. Who that's, It's a long time, Mm, but they Uh, want the coins for their character. They want the coins. That's true. That's true. Maybe the upgrade for their avatar. (laughs) Um, Maybe they'll finally get legs. (laughs) So it's interesting. I think I can also see the stats improving because where the stats go, the money and the sponsorship goes. So the Mm -hmm. better statistics we have, the better tracking of all the impressions, not just the downloads. Mm -hmm all the impressions, how long they're listening, mm-hmm. were they listening to particular parts of the podcast? When we start getting that, I think that's where you're able to justify more and more on the sponsorship side. Uh, Joe Rogan kind of sponsorships are like the simple, okay, mm-hmm. lots, of, lots of downloads, don't really care too much if people are listening the whole way through or not. But that's that's just it's so many millions that it's like okay here's here's some millions and it's notoriety. But for all the the micro the niches the the perfectly targeted podcasts, it'd be great to have more stats so you can show that maybe you own us um, like a sub segment like a micro segment. Exactly, and right now the numbers are so they can be read in different ways, and, and it it brings me back to like a content influencer where they're going to report to a client that they're working with and they're going to say, oh, well, we took your money you gave us and we ran this campaign and, oh, we got this many impressions overall. And it's a giant number. Well, it's a giant number because they added up how many it could potentially reach every single time. So they've twisted the statistics to report what looks good. Is it potential? Yes. But 
we're in that space where because there's no standardized measure with but IAB is starting to do more specialized reporting but because there's no standardized measure people can say things like if you look at the top networks for podcasts and the ones they have these astronomical numbers of downloads and you're like wow that's a network look at how many downloads they have but then you look that network has 68 shows when you break that down per show Mm. it's not that many it's it's a normal podcast but because they have so many under one umbrella they're reporting the entire network's numbers and making it look like a powerhouse. But we have no breakdown of how many listeners are under each show umbrella. So in theory, they could just add 12 more shows every time they needed more and hope one of them hit. I don't know what to think about that. Uh, I mean, I guess it's kind of half of it's brilliant and half Mm -hmm. of it is it's challenging. Right. But you get one show that really nails it. And Mm -hmm. now you can almost claim that all the other ones are nailing it too as a part of this network exactly and from an advertiser standpoint that's a little bit of a nightmare right you want to spend money you want to show how it was spent well what if you spend money on the network and they put you on the show that doesn't get anything and you know the same thing with buying ads just in general for podcasting the there's all these reports that kind of show that those ads get results that podcast audiences are buying audiences and they're willing to purchase things. But the, the cost and the, the financial stuff sunk into it is high. And to the point where, you know, another random statistics prediction for 2023, it's going to get to the point where when advertisers look at the budget that they're putting into podcast advertising, they may just end up sponsoring an entire show instead. Mm, tell me about that. Well, I, I was talking to one of my friends who works in advertising and I was discussing with him the cost of, you know, producing a show and how much does it cost to have a show in production? And when I said that to him, he said, wow, I got turned down when I tried to buy advertising on, I think it was iHeart Media or on a podcast. And he said they wanted this much and it was astronomical. I could buy an entire podcast for that. So there's this space for these sponsored podcasts where an up and coming podcaster could work with a sponsor. P.S. We do this at Ringmaster. If you need this, (laughs) we can vet and find you the right person to be on your sponsored podcast and be the creator on it. And they could go ahead and just skin an entire podcast with their brand and it's sponsored by them. It reaches an audience that they like, you know, maybe, maybe Pampers, maybe Pampers sponsors a podcast and they have two moms talking about the newborn days Mm -hmm. and they've paid for the podcast. They get advertising on every single one. The moms get an outlet for their thoughts and it connects to something else they're doing. They're content creators And the whole thing kind of becomes symbiotic and they cut out that middleman of doing advertising and not knowing what they're getting, at least until the statistics catch up. Yeah, I've wondered about networks that I mean, I I love to see networks grow in Mm -hmm. in this next year. I don't know if it's going to be 23 or if it's. 24 25 but the idea of the network effect, I'm I'm seeing HubSpot has a network. Mm -hmm. You mentioned another I don't want to say more nefarious network that was combining stats, but 
we're starting to see more networks still where do you where do you see those going are, are we going to see the the age of the podcast network this year or is that a little bit out i think it's a mixed bag right okay. so i think that we will see more podcast networks with the companies that are doubling down and putting in more podcasts and with how many companies are owned by other companies and all that we mm. will see more networks but i'm hoping that with the rise of a push for accurate statistics and analytics and some kind of standardization that we'll start seeing people who are above board break out which shows are leading their networks. So we have this many downloads. Here are our top three shows and their download numbers. They're not going to spell out how much every single one gets, but they if they're up front and you can see that 75% of their downloads come from their top three shows, that's different than thinking that they all have a certain number across the board. And honestly, it allows them to charge more for those shows, so they should be doing that. Right, right. Huh. Yeah, there is something to that. I wonder, I wonder about how tightly combined they should be. Can you have a network of shows that are just all across the board? I guess you could have anything you want, but I'm, I'm thinking about the, the more generic network. Maybe it's based on an overall you know, brand or conglomerate versus a, a tightly focused, you know, like a B2B marketing podcast network or something where it's very tightly targeted. So from a content SEO perspective, yeah. I, I like to see things that have to do with each other. Uh, so that would make more sense to me. And also with things coming like Apple Podcasts, we saw that they were adding the... I'm not going to come up with the right word, the title tags or the sure. things that were tracking what the topical items were in each podcast with things like that being added behind the scenes. I think that staying topical and staying on a certain area will help your podcast not only perform, but then also combine with your content, which a lot of people are doing now and have them partner up and kind of push things to the top. If you've got 28 shows and they're completely different and the only thing in common is the same person is writing the check for all of them, that's not as relevant. And how do you pick a category for that? You know, How do you categorize that network? How do you say what you specialize in? How do you really niche down and get advertisers to pay for the special group of people that they're going to reach through you? Yeah. Interesting. Networks, something to keep our eyes on. Talk to me about Twitter Spaces. Yay or nay? Is it is it going to die soon? Is it is it on its way out? This, this might be a short one. This segment, but <laughs> <laughs> no, Twitter Spaces. You know, Twitter. So much of my early content creator social media was in Twitter. We did Twitter parties and companies were thrilled to reach people in a one hour tight window where everyone was tweeting about what the topic was. People showed up. They were excited. They wanted to win prizes. I, I have entire groups of friends now where those friendships and those people came together on Twitter. They knew yeah. each other from, I, I met people at conferences that I had only ever interacted with during Twitter parties. And I think that Twitter spaces has that potential. And if it doesn't go away, it could be, it could be a great spot to get into. It's uh, same thing, emerging 
new, not being used as much, it's easier to kind of grow and find your people there, especially if you're a solo podcaster looking to go down one topic and really create a community. I think that you can do that there. Now, will it stay? Will it not stay? Will it come back? We don't really know. Um, There's so much in flux with Twitter right now, even to the point where their engineers were responsible for tons and tons of codes and different things that were used across websites over time. And it's still up in the air on how everything will play out. Yeah, it's interesting. Clubhouse still around, but not the thing anymore. And if this is the first time someone listening to this is hearing about Clubhouse, well, we might have saved you some time. You might have saved yourself some time and effort because it was this thing that came and went, which is basically now Twitter Spaces. And it, and I think the thing with Twitter Spaces, like any other these things, it, it's a little bit easier because it's already associated with the platform you already mm-hmm. have. You don't need to get a new app. Mm-hmm. So it's very easy to get to. I think it's just a, I don't know, maybe it's like a nice to have. I don't see myself using that or Clubhouse in the future. Yeah, Clubhouse was a big thing for a little bit. I remember when yeah. everyone was just clamoring to get that invitation. <laughs> it was and, invite you know, only, right? It exactly. Was a, yeah, yeah. You had to have the invitation. And if you didn't have the invitation, you couldn't get in. And people were in there having these talks. And it was it was billed as being almost like almost like a Snapchat for professionals where you could go in and connect with these people and chat and have like a Zoom meeting that wasn't really a corporate Zoom meeting. But I mean, we've seen so many things kind of float through and go up and down and up and down. We do you remember Twitter when Twitter did Vine? Did they do Vine? They did. So we it was written into a ton of different contracts for different conferences and things that we were doing special events and campaigns at Mm. to have a certain number of vines. And sometimes when, when vine was big, then the viewership was fantastic. And again, because it was an incentivized item, it was something that they were promoting. It was something that they wanted people to use and it was incentivized. So your vines showed up more than the tweets you were sending from the same event. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Not, not sure on that one. I don't think I'm betting mm-hmm. the farm on it. Uh, I think having clubhouse come and go. Yeah. yeah, I think I mean, Vines is, too, you know, yeah, Vines like, is gone. Clubhouse. Bye bye. We'll see how Twitter spaces plays out. <laughs> it, it really is up in the air. But for the time being, you know, when something is around like that, it's incentivized. They're going to show it at the top. They're going to show it to people first. They want to see if it works. They're yeah, testing they do. it. They're, they are showing people. It's mm-hmm. at the top of a uh, feed when you refresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, how about Twitch? You have much experience with Twitch? I do not have a lot of experience with Twitch. You might have to tell me about that have you ever one, and seen then it? Have I can you ever tell been you. On it? I have seen it briefly. I have. It was not something I adopted, but yeah, it, it ties into this theme that that I'm really thinking about and chewing on for for next year, which is it's it's the normalization of the creator, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the YouTube the YouTuber, the Mr. Mm-hmm. Beast of the world the uh the twitch streamer and so for those listening if you haven't heard you just need to check it out it's like consider it modern societal business mm-hmm. homework actually that that didn't really sell it very much consider it like 
something you should just check out to understand where content creation and where education and entertainment can really collide for simple people. So what Twitch is, is basically a platform where you can go watch people do many different things like it above board G rated. This isn't, this isn't the other site. So this is, you can go watch people play. This video is games. the video game one. Yeah. Yes. You can watch yes. them play video games, but not just okay. video games. You can watch them. Um, I remember scrolling past. There's this one lady who's just sitting there crocheting, you know, okay. and chatting about life. Uh, other people were painting and other people were doing some graphic design work for some of their projects and they were just doing the design and you can just sort a of pottery you, guy on Twitch. Pottery I, guy. I, yes. There's a pottery guy on Twitch. That actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Just, and it, does he talk a lot or is he just kind of? No, not pots? at all. Ooh, nope, all. Just, just, just makes pots. Got it. Got it. Okay. So there's people doing this stuff, right? And then, the next level of that where you have maybe the gamers are really good at this is they're set up so that they can still play the game and do whatever they're doing and they can see the chat and there's a chat where you can you can interact with that person yep. and everyone else that's watching that person and interact with each other you can earn points you can bet make play place bets on things that are happening you can basically Okay. entertain yourselves around the situation that's occurring in front of all of you on the screen. Okay. And one, it's fascinating that this exists and it is kind of interesting to watch. If you find that particular game or that particular thing that you like, there's really quite of a, a thing happening where people are, are watching other people play games as opposed to playing them themselves. Interesting. But one of the things tying it back to business and maybe putting our serious hats on for a second is that <laughs> these people are absolutely fantastic at, at not only curating, but controlling and entertaining crowds, mass crowds of people with like zero or little training. And these people are, are interacting, telling their friends, bringing uh, more people to it. They're donating, they're paying for things, right? So there's a whole economy around it, but these people are masters of this. And so when I look at a Twitch streamer, and then I go look at our modern marketing webinars. Mm -hmm. I, the, the contrast is like massive. It's like this, this can't possibly be real. And it is. Why would you possibly ever go listen to a webinar about something boring where the, even the people talking are boring? Where over here, there's this Twitch streamer who's very interesting, yeah. very exciting, and knows about their particular topic, be it pottery or crochet or that game. They might be a master at playing that game. So it's like, I see two things where both people might be experts at whatever they're talking about, but one is highly entertaining and even pays for itself with that entertainment. And the other one is almost like a check in the box in the marketing checklist. Right, right. So just a more organic way to reach people to kind of have those conversations that aren't as webinary. <laughs> right, right. It, yeah. It's the method that that you learn from them uh, because some of the people are, are sharing strategies, for, say playing risk or something. They're sharing all these strategies. So you're literally learning from them just like you might be on a webinar. But mm -hmm. man, is it so much more interesting to listen <laughs> to. And I feel like just like how we've gotten so spoiled with an Amazon checkout mm -hmm. or, or finding a show on Netflix, it's so easy to navigate we're getting more and more trained to just not be able to put up with boring content, boring entertainment, boring right. 
education, right? It was hard to pay attention to school anyways. And it, and some of that boringness has translated into the business world. Um, I've sat on webinars where we were all just sort of wondering, like, what are we doing here? And this is so boring. And the person was reading off from a script too. It was, it was terrible. That's why those buzzword bingo cards were invented to make Tell it me, more interesting. Is that where you, you drop a word into the... That's where you send out the scorecard ahead of time, the little bingo card, and oh. then you listen on the webinar. It, it was a sales thing. Oh, every oh, time oh, they oh, said, the listeners. oh, yes, every time they said things like leaky bucket or you Strat- know, strategy, exactly, strategic direction, you know, Q4, <laughs> year end. They, there were all these words that we used to put on the bingo card and quietly Man. bingo. <laughs> I won. Right. But no, I mean, yeah, so Twitch gives you this really authentic way to connect with people, and it'd be interesting to see where that goes in 2023. I can't make like a high-level prediction there because I don't have quite enough experience with it, but ultimately, they're a subsidiary of Amazon. Mm. So how, how does Amazon take that? and roll that in differently. Will they end up, you know what, everyone's adding e-commerce and things like that. Will they push more e-commerce options towards Twitch and let these people organically sell? Because the other area that we're seeing this huge rise in that kind of gets into that influencer space that you were talking about where they're influencers in their own right is this UGC content and user-generated content. And where... There are entire agencies being formed around this now where people can submit videos of them with everyday products cool. and companies can buy these user videos and use them as ads because they've seen what happened on TikTok when someone shared a Dyson vacuum that glows mm-hmm. the floor green, which I bought for myself because how cool. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, people were using it and everyone's like, oh, the link's in my link tree, the link's in my bio. And they were selling stuff, and now the companies want to get in on that. They were happy to have the sales that the person was referring, and now they want to be able to push those sales and own the revenue themselves. Hell yeah. I know Amazon is sending microphones to people who leave several video reviews of books and products. Mm-hmm. They're upping they're upping that user-generated content. Amazing. Yep. I see it being a year of the YouTube streamer coming to business, the tw- Twitch streamer come to business. We can only translate that and mm-hmm. that that showmanship, and then also even the quality, right? You don't need corporate enterprise level quality, but you do need that YouTube level, like a like a really good YouTuber has yeah. all the right equipment, microphones, cameras, all that jazz. Translating that into the business world, taking a page out of their book. Maybe you know, find yourself your favorite YouTuber and ask them a couple questions, and maybe you can learn from them or from us. <laughs> Definitely. And I mean, we're in our industry, we're seeing RevOps becoming a big thing. Yeah. And we're seeing these evangelist positions become a big thing at companies. And it's getting to the level where finally authenticity and being able to have a conversation with someone and being able to connect and hear and ask good questions is becoming important. And it's not just going to be like straight business talk and here's this and here's that and here's this. You need to understand your customer. You need to understand where the money is coming from. You need to connect with them. You need to solve the problem. You need to work together. You need to fit into their plan. Boom. There it is.
There it is. I feel like we could talk all day, but I know you have to run off to your next endeavor and we got things to do. So before you go, where can people reach out? They want to talk more trends with you. They want to talk podcasting. Hey, even want to buy a podcast where, or, or content. Where can they reach out? What are the good places to get you at? I am on LinkedIn and I love LinkedIn. And that's going to be in the show notes because my yep. name's a little hard to spell, but I'm on LinkedIn. And then I, of course, can be reached at Ringmaster. So cool. Nasreen, N-A-S-R-E-E-N at ringmaster.com. There it is. Thank you so much for coming on here and and sharing some strategies. You've got me excited for 2023. I can't wait to get into this year. I think it's going to be like the best year yet. I hope so. And I predict it will be. All right. There we have it. You've predicted it. Thank you. If it comes true, it's all thanks to you. (laughs) Thank you, Casey. All righty. Well, thank you too. And for those listening, if you learned something, and I freaking know you did because I did over here too. Share this episode with someone else, be a thought leader. And with that, you all, if you haven't already had a happy new year, have a great year. Let's make this the best year ever. Nazarene, thanks again. Thank you. (laughs) All right, everyone. This has been a crazy, different, but exciting episode of Creating the Greatest Show. We will see you all next time. And next time doesn't have to be next week. Life's too short and we have way too much to talk about. Find show notes full of takeaways, lessons, and links at creatingthegreatestshow.com. For more information on launching your own podcast or working with us to produce your existing show, come on down to the big tent at ringmaster.com. Until then, friends, whatever you do, do it with all your might. Work at it, if necessary, early and late, in season and out of season, not leaving a stone unturned and never deferring for a single hour, that which can be done just as well now. P.T. Barnum.